him working away in Timothy's from time to time. Like I would walk past Timothy's and there would be Gord Downey sitting there on a laptop. And, you know, my reaction as a super fan is like, I got to go in and say hi. And then, <laughs> and then as the same super fan, I'm like, well, what if he's writing? Well, what if he's writing the next fucking great song? And I'm the asshole who interrupts that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he would, he would have been writing something, but, um, he kind of put the songs together after. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Um, so how is my signal? Because I can hotspot. It could be better. No, this no, is you're good. good. You're coming through signal's great. Signal's great. Okay. And it looks, looks like a nice day. Like, are you outside? I'm outside. That's great. These are my little sister's nice. paintings. Yeah, I sort of had a thing built where I can live outside and uh, just be. Oh, man. Oh, um, cool. That's shelter shelter up there you know yeah. yeah so i spend a lot of time out here so i'm in downtown kingston ish like about five blocks from uh the center of downtown and uh cool yeah so i like it here we've been here like five years ever since the kids left <laughs> nice nice just just the two you have sorry uh two girls yeah and they're both kind yeah, of making cool. their way in toronto 27 23 and in their their separate career paths and okay so they're kind of you know fairly entry level and um where they're working but uh sure. doing all right and we just thought we give them a break and they pay us far less rent than they would have to pay yeah no that's good otherwise that's good and we've actually used the place because i have to be in toronto more than i ever thought i thought i was retired and now i have to be in toronto all the time and um so we stay there every time. Cool. Ah, Toronto hotels these days—you're saving right. six hundred bucks every time. <laughs> Toronto yeah, hotels man. are insane right now. They're it, totally, totally insane. So the premise of this podcast was: I I found these two friends of mine that are from different parts of the world, but they both grew up in in Southern California, and they had not heard they had not heard of the hip. So this is getting hip to the hip, where. Oh where we're taking them from not having heard them and we go through the discography and sort of get their reactions as to like what they're hearing, because you know, you know, you guys are a cultural phenomenon and it, it's, it's strange sometimes when you meet people who aren't aware of this thing that is like 11 million people watched the last concert, you know, like that's, it's staggering when people don't know. 
I got to say, great concept for a podcast. I, I did notice the title, and I didn't really catch, like I didn't really know what it meant. Uh, getting hit to the hip, so I love it. I love it. We're we're of the we're of the same generation, pretty much here. And you know, Pete and I grew up with Southern California radio. You know, that's what got us into music, and um, you know, eighties, nineties, yeah, off the radio. Yeah, I was making mixtapes off the radio in middle school, and yeah, you know, we didn't we didn't have the the hit playing on ninety one X in San Diego, or, or no, not a lot of radio you know. play in California. There's a yeah. San Francisco yeah. station. Uh, K Fog, I forget the name of it. That's not K Fog. Yeah. There was a San Francisco station that played us, which is okay. why we were able to, you know, eventually play the Fillmore, you know, couple couple right. of days in a row right. kind of thing and sell that out. But that I think it's K Fog, something like that. That sounds very San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there you go. Actually, yeah. our radio play was random. Dallas, we got played uh in the early days and uh chicago we got played so all the non-border towns like you know buffalo they they have canadian radio so we're always right we we ended up in arenas there and seattle not as much but um then it was just random you know we'd get play in some american cities and no play whatsoever in others so it takes so much longer by word of mouth than it does if you sure. hear a song on the radio Sure. You know what's so 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 Paul, this is something that I oh, Are you guys recording by the way? Sorry. We're recording. Yeah, it's recording. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure you're not losing all the <laughs> all the gold. All the gold. <laughs> okay, so no, we pretty much hit go and do No, that. no. Um cuz we're talking about this too and this has come up a number of times on the podcast, right? And obviously you just were talking about some radio stations you got random play in certain cities this and that and Tim and I grew up at a time prior to streaming, you know, we yep. saw that, we saw that switch. So essentially whatever we were listening to, unless you were in some like super niche underground, you know, group with the cool kids and shit, you were, you were listening to what was being played on the three main stations. Right. And we saw all the takeover with clear channel. We saw all that shit happen. Yeah. But the, the thing that I, noticed right and and i'm not i'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass here paul but i'm gonna maybe do a little bit so 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 clench if you got to but no <laughs> good like I've, i and i thought about a lot over the nine months we've been recording this podcast is that is it good music is good music and there's probably so much shit that falls through the cracks because here you got tim and i who never heard of the hit before we 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 both have a lot of similar bands in taste in in common that we like, yeah. but JD put us on this you know mainline IV drip of the tragically hip since we started this. Huh. And at first we it was a, it was the first at first it was a slow burn, but now it's like I cannot imagine my life without your guys's band. <laughs> and again, I'm not I'm sorry to blow smoke at you. No, I'm that's not trying to do that. But no, it's I just like it. I love it. Good music is good music, and and you know I want to. I mean, the I had a deep dive into guess what too, and we'll talk about that. You know, I'm sure. But yeah, just it's if you're not exposed to it, man, then you're not exposed to it. You know what yeah, I mean? You know, I really appreciate that. Like it's it's like and and the slow burn part. 
as well. Like I think a oh, big um, time. Yeah. It it was a slow burn for many people just because um I don't think it was that obvious. Like you know, at the the early days were kind of like, oh, it's kind of like more barroom bump kind of, you know, um really kind of not boring but, you know, simple. And um so but I know that when we were writing and recording we meant for these songs, the songs that we chose for each record, um, we believed that they would stand the test of time, that you'd probably have to listen to it four, five, six times before you start to, before it starts to grow on you, as, as you said, slow burn. And um, I think that's better. I mean, there are certainly songs I love that immediately it's kind of like, wow, okay, that's, that's a hit. But a lot of times there's, even back then, you know, in the 80s and 90s, um, sometimes it's kind of spoon-fed stuff. I mean, Smells Like yeah. Teen Spirit right away. I loved it. That's not spoon-fed. Yeah. He's right. just doing his right. thing. They're doing their thing. But um, there's many more examples of where it's more spoon-fed, where it lasts about nine or ten listens, and then it's like, okay, I've had enough of this. Um, Moving on. When I do, when I when I press play on Inviolet Light, I remember, and I told JD and uh, and Tim this. I was like, "Dude, I'm not. I, this is not going to work. This is going to be a shitty two weeks." We're listening to this, and then and then like it ends with like I just it just starts. It's like a cicada, man. It just burrowed its way into my head, and then. Like at some point a week and a half into it, I'm rolling down the highway here in Spain, just like fucking windows down, just like what? <laughs> Where have you been all my life? Uh, that starts with use it up, right? Doesn't oh yeah, use, use yeah. it up. Use oh up yeah, yeah. Song, oh, oh dude, use it. Oh fuck, that was the song he picked. Because yeah. every album, every album I make them pick a song, <laughs> uh, and use it up was people song for that record. It's so funny because I didn't like that song at first. I was like, uh, you didn't. Yeah, I, I thought, you know what, we're reaching here, it's no good. And then it grew on me as we were sort of all learning our parts and playing it together. It was like, oh, I get it now, use it up. Yeah, this is good, <laughs> save a thing for later. But at first I was just like, yeah. oh, this is going to be a horrible record. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> well, I, I even said to my kid, I have, I have a 21 year old, I have 21 and 18 year old sons and my 21 year old plays drums and amazing drummer and he's getting into other stuff too. But I played him some of the, you know, I don't remember which album, but he looked at me and he's like, are you sure you can do this? You know, like, what, what is this band? And the guy, the guy, does he sing weird? Is this, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, I hope so, bro. You know, let's, let's see what happens. But no, since then, you know, I've played in bits here and there. And my whole family, of course, has been subject to the hip. Yeah. And, Same here. Um, and they're, they're now recognizing the hip when it, when they, they come on. I haven't like forced them to, to sit down and hear an album, but that'll, that'll happen eventually. I'm sure, you know, but it's, yeah, the slow burn has been awesome. And and for you guys to accomplish that, I mean, you were in high school, right? When you, uh, but, well, shortly after high just school, after, right? just after. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's a university yeah. here, Queens. So three of the guys were at Queens. Johnny was still in high school, drummer. Um, okay. That's right. He was in grade 13, which they don't have grade 13 anymore, but, um, yeah, so it was kind of 
um, yeah, a long, long time. Um, yeah. I mean, for that to happen, it's like, you know, I have a, my brother-in-law told me at one point, I'm like, what are you going to do, bro? You know, you're 19. You're not doing anything. He's like, I'm going to be a pro skateboarder. And I'm like, dude, you got a one in what? 40 million shot to be a pro skateboarder. Yeah. Come on. I mean, but you guys, you guys were young and you kept at it and you didn't go after careers. I don't think, I mean, I'm sure some of you held like part-time jobs or something, but you guys just kept going at yeah, it. We all had parents that were kind of like very supportive. But at the same time, mm -hmm. everyone was in university and, um, you know, what's the backup plan? My dad said right. to me all the time. And I'm like, no backup plan, dad. These guys, because I joined a bit <laughs> later, like a year and a half in, they were covered okay. in. Um, and I love them. And Gord Downey was my best friend. And he asked me to join basically because I was leaving. I mean, I didn't think of it as a threat, but he thought it was a threat. I was just going to go down to Nashville and try my luck as a songwriter. And um, he was like, he didn't like that at all. And so we asked the other guys <laughs> if I could join. And when I joined, my dad was like, yeah, but um, you're going to go back to school and you'll have a backup plan. I'm like, I don't need one. These guys are too good. And so nice. I'm just going to ask nice. you what the moment, what the moment was where you knew you didn't need a backup plan. You knew that early on, like that it was like you guys had lightning in a bottle. I knew when I joined, I went to all their gigs and, um, whenever I could, like I was driving cab and, um, but Gord would always have me on the list and they were just like small in town gigs, either at the university sure. or in a biker bar or, you know, whatever, a few bars that they were playing. And, um, I knew, like, and it wasn't just Gord. I knew that Robbie and Johnny and Sinclair, like, that they were just doing something different. Now, mostly they were playing covers, but they had songs that never made it even to our first baby record. Uh, great songs, Heart Attack Love and Baby Blue Blood and, you know, all these songs where it was Reformed Baptist Blues, which was on Saskadelphia, but surprising. Right. But it was just like, God, they know how to write songs. Gord is unbelievable. Nothing like the friend I had. Like, as soon as he got up on stage, it was just kind of like, wow. <laughs> and so I just felt like, you know, they have it. And word of mouth already just in Kingston. You know, they say you can't. If you're in a band and you can't draw a crowd in your hometown, then chances aren't great. But if you can, yeah. you can take that. And so we just would just gradually take it to the next town over, Belleville or, you know, Brockville and then Cornwall and, you know, Oshawa and just sort of like just took it up and down the 401, which is a highway around here. And um, and just uh, we relied on word of mouth. And, and then we started booking things that way. Let's do three nights. <laughs> so we'll play Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And by Saturday, we'll have it full because everyone's going to be going home saying, Okay, the singer's crazy and the band is heavy and tight. And <laughs> so we built it up that way. I'm not sure if you could do it these days. I mean, there's still venues. So I think you actually could still do it our way. It was the only way we knew how to do it. But we always felt like we were always like, we all had a couple of hundred bucks in general, you know? So it wasn't like, sure. um, 
we were we weren't uh, not making money. You know, we were able to, and our parents were supportive. You know, Gord's parents got us a van and et cetera. It just kind of, um, we knew very early on that we could just keep doing it. Let's just keep doing it until it, it goes south, and it never did. Yeah, I guess not. Holy shit. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I want to, I don't know if it's cool, fellas, but I want to dig into the, to guess what a little bit. Yeah, That's let's do cool. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. So first off, you guys recorded the bathhouse. Yeah, we talked to we talked to Gord. What was it like three months ago? We talked to Gord. Oh did yeah, you? yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When his, when his record yeah. dropped, he came on. Pardon me. When his record dropped, he came on. I I really love that record. I've told him many times. He's so funny. <laughs> you know, he's just like such a sweet. Yeah, dude. yeah, he is, and and he's you know we yeah. we complain mutually about having to be the singer and, you know, and just all the complications. <laughs> uh, but I love his record. I, I, I've told him all the time. It's just like, it's classic him. It's just such variety. So, but we're not talking, not talking about his record, I guess. Sorry. No, but, no, no, <laughs> no, he kind of, but he said some of the, kind of the, some, some of the same stuff, but your vocals on, I love the vocals on it. And then I was kind of reading about what you did with the, in terms of choosing the band and um what's his name? His name is oh Billy Anglin. That Billy dude is a, that dude is a he's a freak of nature on the drums, man. Yeah, and he's a giant. The second tune on the record, um Desperation Calling. Hello, this is Desperation Calling. Are you at home? It's been weeks since my last visit. You've been keeping well, but that's really not so now, is it? I'd like you to be honest. I work with you a lot. You like to keep me tested. Take everything I got.
When he does that, yeah, like, what the hell is that? No, I know. He's a giant in real life. I don't know if you knew that. It's crazy, man. He's he's like I don't know. I think he's six five. Oh, he's wow. easily two fifty. Must be. I don't know how much you weigh, but um, wow, he he's a giant. And he was a kid that we heard about. Johnny mentioned him to me. I remember back um, when when we first started. Johnny was like, there's a kid over at Elsie, which was another high school. We were at Casey and they were at Elsie. And there's a kid, Bill, Billy Anglin. And he's like five years younger than us. He's like, they had the same drum teacher. And he's like, that, that kid's really good. And he played into his twenties. And then he started a construction company and hadn't played for 20 some years. And another guy in the band, wow. Jim Carscallon, is kind of like a family friend of his. And he was like, you know, Bill Anglin would do it if you asked him. I'm like, seriously? And, Anyway, he is great. We just played a show just out of town. There's a, a little quaint little town, Gananoque. Um, I'm not sure if you've been there, JD, but it's it's a beautiful little summer town, Thousand Islands. Okay. And we played a gig on Saturday night. And I was just like, for some reason, I was just kind of really focused on Bill and the stuff he was doing. It's it's. I'm very lucky. And and the same with um, everyone else in the band, of course. But oh yeah, he just hits them so hard, and he's so big, <laughs> and he has a huge drum kit too, like huge. Where yeah. it's just like, oh my god, <laughs> you know, we we pull into a little, a little club a couple of weeks ago just to have a warm up show, and the club owner's like, you know, the drums basically took up the whole. It's like, is this a rush? Is this a rush cover band? Is, is Neil Peart? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm gonna tell Bill you mentioned him because, um, dude, it's he's amazing. Well, oh, you I have... the, big, the big toms at the beginning of uh, Will to Fight as well. well right, that's what I thought. That's what I thought Pete was gonna oh, say. Those big toms right off the start, right off yeah. the start. It's like, oh fuck, this is this song's this song has a bone to pick with me. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> It's like it's it's challenging me right now. This song, it's we we've been opening with that one. Oh and yeah, Bill, and Bill loves it. You know, he's kind of set list cool. Um, cool. oriented, and, and I always put Will to fight first, and he's quite happy with it. He's he loves starting. Like he is not short on confidence for a guy who hasn't played. <laughs> he's played on his own, but who hasn't played with anybody for twenty years? It's pretty amazing. That's crazy, man. Mm -hmm. you, you know you. Well, it's because we're talking about drums. This is something that's, that came that came up a couple times in the podcast. I don't know what record it was that we were talking about, but I had mentioned, and I said it, and I said it exactly like this. I was like, Paul Langlois is a fucking drummer. Yes. Yeah. I remember you, <laughs> you remember that? that? Yeah. And, and I said that because I don't remember what song and what record it really hit me like a like a freight train man it was but in between your, evolution is what you said it, it was it you said was it, it in yeah. Between evolution yeah yeah just just your the 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 tone of that les paul and just the chunk 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 that was i can't remember the song that it was on where it 
hit me and I was like, dude, I don't know who's drumming here. Is it Paul or is it Johnny? Because I'm getting, because <laughs> yeah. I've done that. I've done that thing where you listen to each member of a band um, individually. Like, I don't know if you've ever done that. Like next time you, next time you want to have a good time, listen to your, if you like Rush. I mean, I like Rush. Who doesn't? I love Rush. I love like, take it, take a rush tune or I'm watch maybe a live, live recording and focus on one, watch it three times and focus on one musician each time. And you'll just see something new every time. I love that idea. Yeah. I love that idea. And thanks for that. I mean, I, and on my first solo record, cause I always thought I got a drum kit when I was 30 as a birthday present and it was Johnny's kit. Well, he set it up. And so my wife got it for me, Joanne. And, um, and then so I was just drumming secretly in the basement just because I always wanted to try it. And so my very first record, Fix His Head, which was like, I don't know, 15 years ago or something. Uh, 2010, yeah. Yeah, so 13 years ago. And um, I was just on my own. It was just me. And really, I was in there in our studio, just with the engineer. Like, it's quite awkward, really. Because um, <laughs> it's just just the two of us, you know. <laughs> I'm like, Aaron, you, you go outside or go do what you're going to do. Just give me the song on a loop, and I'm just going to play the song. And if I get a good one, I'll run into the cold control room and push the space bar and stop it. And uh, so that's how I drummed, really, because I just didn't like him kind of you know just being bored in there probably on his phone yeah hovering so anyway i did all the drumming on fix his head and it's it's not stellar drumming but i it uh i was happy enough with it that it it passed i mean it would have been way if johnny or billy anglin was playing obviously um it would have been way way better but i i wanted it to be a private record i didn't really even want to put it out uh that's crazy that's so crazy Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to say that. I have a I have a a question for you that's um been bothering me for like since your new record came out. Your okay. new record is called Guess What and yeah. it's the Paul Langlois band. But I go back into my old records that I have. I have them in in Apple so they're on so they're digital. Mm-hmm. And they say like Fix This Head says Paul Langlois band now on it. But wasn't it yeah. just Paul Langlois before? Yes. We're, oh, so I'm not going crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, you're not crazy. You're not going crazy. Uh, I mean, it it drives me a bit crazy, really, the thought. And Joanne hates hates Paul Langlois band. Hates that there's no the. Oh, really? She's like Jake. Yeah, which, uh, <laughs> my manager, uh, who's uh, my manager, is also the hips manager, Jake Gold. Uh, he does a great job, but he was kind of he was very in favor of just Paul Langlois band, and I'm like. Okay, that's awkward though. Wouldn't you say the the Paul Langlois band? Yeah, two guys in the band, Greg Ball especially, was like, "No, Paul Langlois, don't say Paul Langlois band." Your first two records were Paul Langlois, so just Paul Langlois. And you know, through the agents and all the kind of you know people booking and stuff, it's like, well, the Paul Langlois band would probably be more appealing as a an act to book. I was trying to play festivals this summer. And uh, so I was like, okay. And then it's like, oh, by the way, we got to go back. And it's all because of Spotify. Everything's because of Spotify these days. Oh, God. You got to go back and call 
your first two records, Paul Langlois Band, because if someone searches, I don't understand it, but that's bonkers. Whatever it is, if someone searches, guess what, Paul Langlois Band, my first two records aren't going to come up, and so that convinced me. I'm like, I want my first two records to come up. It happens, but that's the same thing with Malcolmus and the Jicks. Do you guys? I don't know if you guys know that he has the same. That's that's a weird thing on Spotify. They want it to come up. They want it to come up the other records so everybody can access all the music. And I get it because you also want people to listen to your, you know, your other records, but it's I also would like, like that. Yeah, I would like that, but it, I get it, but I hate it. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's silly. It's silly. Me too. Like Paul Langwell would come up just if I call this the Paul Langwell band, which is Change the algorithm, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Change yeah. the search bar, like make them both come up. Jesus Christ. That's funny. That's funny you mentioned that, Paul. At one point during our discography review of you guys, I said, "Yeah, you know, it's I, I love this whole process, but your the hip has totally fucked up my algorithm in Spotify. Like every time I play yeah. something now, it's like something associated yeah, with yeah, the hip. Same here. <laughs> it's like all these other bands, but I have discovered some other bands. We were talking one day. Uh, Tim and I were talking. I was out for a walk, and he's like, "You're gonna get a kick out of this, Paul," because he's like, "Who is April Wine?" <laughs> oh really and i was like april wine is like a seminal yeah. canadian yeah band, they you know? came up absolutely many many hits big and band good, good hits good hits. yeah yeah, yeah they're really they cool. were fucking cool like I, that was a fun surprise for me that was you know thanks <laughs> to the algorithm so but that that was that was one of those things you know so 10 years 10 years between not guilty and yep. guess what yeah. Uh, not guilty was 2013. Um, obviously, that was a fucking giant 10 years uh, in your life. Yes. Um, what what changed singer songwriter wise? Uh, like what what did you take from that 10 years of experience and put onto this record? Is there anything you can lay down for us? Um. You know, I think um, I got the, like, lyrics are my toughest. That's that's the toughest. It's like finishing the bathrooms, you run out of money. And so, the, oh, yeah, let's go for the vinyl shower. Because, right. Um, and so that's what I would do with lyrics. I'd kind of almost get, i get somewhere, but then I'd just stop and I didn't know where to go. So I think um, time passing more than anything Gord, Gord passing. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. Time passing. Right. The way the tour uh, was so special, such an achievement on all our parts, but especially for Gord. Uh, of course. The achievement on his part was uh, unbelievable. It was unbelievable to watch, like from uh, the inside, just how hard he worked and, and how – driven he was like he didn't stop and and um so i think that kind of affected that helped me just with lyrics time passing the girls moving out my daughters you know and you know now it's like uh in my 50s and it's kind of like i think that sort of just came through in the songs will to fight you know just anything just kind of like um so there was that I, I didn't think I would ever, like, I just was not interested in songwriting until I got offered 
um, a gig and it was a few months away and Joanne said, well, you got to do it. And I'm like, well, I got to put a band together. I don't want I'm not fucking into that. And who would I get? And, um, anyway, so then I thought of, they're all buddies, uh, Kingston buddies and, um, musicians, but they all have other jobs. And, um, yeah. And then we started rehearsing and playing and, and, um, it was fun. And so I decided I had a couple of songs. Okay. Maybe I'll finish those and we'll have a couple of, you know, new record songs. I was just playing my first two records kind of thing. And then, um, that was the end of August last year. And, and, uh, I booked the studio for November 7th, I think, or 8th. And, um, so then I had a deadline. So in September and October, I just kept throwing songs at them and, uh, I kept writing. And so it was the first time I'd written anything in, in 10 years. Like I, I just, I hadn't written anything. And then it was like, Oh wow, this is fun. These guys are good. And so the whole record is live. I mean, I, I play guitar and yeah. at the same time and That's I didn't rad. do anything except one scratchy vocal. I redid one vocal, but, we're playing live and there were um, very little fixes and very little overdub. Joe overdubbed a couple of solos. Um, so it was just kind of exactly how I wanted it to be. And it was very uh, reminiscent of how the hip recorded. You know, we like to, we like to not make mistakes, go into the control room and be like, yeah, this is the one. Of course, we'd leave it mostly up to Johnny because, you know, the drums have to be right. And um, he would always pick the ones that we wanted, uh, like without even talking about it. Okay, we like take number three. And um, that was a very similar process to um, recording the hip or in the bathhouse. So it was all very um, inspiring. So I'm a new person, uh, honestly. Uh, I... I really thought I was done, you know, after Gord died, I just thought, well, we had a good run. Hmm. It's sad. Yeah. But it was like 32 sure. Naturally. years actively together. It's been longer now, but you know, all of us together playing and it wasn't like a five year run, you know? And so I just yeah. thought, okay, that's good. But, you know, yeah, we did it and uh, just going to move on and come up with other things. I just didn't come up with anything else to, no, but six six thirty eight main six thirty eight main says, like I got a window into the song, where you were at with this record and what kind of the question that JD asked, like that, I was like, okay, I see kind of where Paul's brain was at with this record and like, dude, that's fucking cool, man. I'm so happy for you, dude. Been searching for something that I can't see. Something that's far away Something that's maybe getting close I wasn't all and think I never was I wasn't falling, I know because Feeling I had was way beyond And 
the fear in me had gone As far as this one I could believe One I couldn't quite really get Done my special best I take it all the time I take in all the test as if I'm in my prime if I'm not desperate then I don't need it gonna keep me separate so I can see it. If I don't own it, I can't mean it I think I took this right out of my control It's a sort of vision going on here Am I just holding on to a song here? It's all unfolding like it should I take the fifth all right, it might be good Taken all the time I've done my special best As if I'm in my prime I've taken all the tests Keep taking all the tests I'm taking all the tests Oh, I, I don't know. I I had the same shit too before we recorded. Like before I jumped in with this band that I'm in, man. I was just kind of like, "All right, I'm done playing music." And then you fall in, and then you get a band together, and then you're like, "Oh, this is fucking. This is fun, man. This is right where I should be." Yeah, you forget how fun it is. I did, and uh, it's funny you mentioned Six Thirty Eight Maine. Not many people, but I have a couple of quirky friends. That are like 638 Maine, man. I love that one. Whereas most of my friends, <laughs> I'm sure they've never mentioned that song. I, I don't think it's necessarily a skipper, but it's an odd one. And basically, that's what's I, cool it, about it. Yeah, it's, you know, to me, it's cool because I made it up on the spot. I didn't have anything written down. And I just pictured myself. What? Like, nice. I'm talking about what it's like to be in a studio. And we were in there eight days, and Greg and I, those guys were going like there's a firefighter, a construction guy, <laughs> uh, a factory shift worker. Greg's a waiter, so he took the eight days off, and I don't have another job, so I did too. So Greg and I were out there the whole time. And a couple of nights it was late, you know, late. They were all late nights. And I was just sitting there, just like, oh, it'd be good to, like if I could set myself in a bar to describe what it's like being in a studio. I didn't know if it was Monday or Tuesday, you know, it was kind of like it, you're just, you're lost in the music. You're lost in the recording. So I thought, and we were only at nine songs <laughs> or nine that I liked. And um, so I was like, I, I want to try this one. Um, and I just made it up. I just like set myself on the bar and then I'm kind of chasing the song 
you know, it's all turning out like it should or whatever the words are. But it paints the picture, man. It, well, there was a hip song like that, too. Do you remember, Tim, the apartment where Gord was describing the apartment? You know what I'm talking about? Apartment song. But that, yeah. that, pic, that yeah. 638 man yeah, yeah, yeah. paints the picture, man. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I was, I was very, uh, very happy with that. And Greg and Joe were asleep. On the couch in the control room, so it was just me. (laughs) Uh, I just laid it down on acoustic and perfect, um, and then um, and sang it, and uh, and Bill and Matt, uh, drums and bass, they played, and Joe and Greg were kind of pissed off because they missed it. Um, So I allowed them to (laughs) add a uh, guitar and backup vocal. So anyway, I'm glad it's you mentioned cool, man. <laughs> it's a deep cut. Deep cut. Yeah, we're going. We're going. Or, I mean, we're, there's, there's, we're, we're going to Kingston, and for the the finale, we're doing is September first. But I think the day before, the day after, we're going to Kingston. Yeah, JD they, or August thirty first. We're we're doing a. They're, they're flying in August thirtieth, and uh, we're doing a road trip to Kingston. You're kidding? No. Oh, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do it, yeah. No, we got yeah. it, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I'm gonna be so dragon ass, man. It's all, you know, it's all part of this if, process. If, if that's what are you are you kind of just doing it for fun? I'll meet up with you either way, whether you're recording something oh. or not. Oh, yeah, I want to buy it. you a beer. That oh. would be amazing to buy you a beer. Yeah, yeah, that would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, reach at the red house. Just get in touch with me. All right, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, we're flying into town, and uh, we have an event at the Rec Room in Toronto on September first. So that's that's like our uh, our grand finale of the pod is we're meeting up, and uh, there's a, a tribute band, Fifty Mission, oh, okay. playing at the Rec Room, and we're when we're doing this fundraiser for the oh cool the and Daniel and Winter so Fund. are you going to be yeah. it, it, is it an event where you're not um, sort of talking together or are you guys going to get up we're going to rec- we're going to record the final episode of the podcast at this event oh cool so they'll finally yeah. reveal whether or not they're hip bands which they've they've done, yeah. a, poor, they've done a poor job concealing it. <laughs> it's so it's so funny at the beginning they would be like pete would be like oh yeah there's this lick that the rhythm guitarist plays and you know then later on it's like paul paul Langwa, am I saying his name right? And Dude, then later yeah, on, I, it's just Paul. You know what I mean? Like, I so I had no of the concept podcast. of your existence, man. I mean, I was like, "What's this guy? So who's this guy's name?" And now it's like <laughs> everything's off the tongue, man. But I, I by the way, I, I've got to ask you, and I know they're for different things. But what do you prefer about it? Do you like your telly, or do you like the Les Paul? What, what's the what's the one that you're that you if you die with a guitar in your hands, the one you want in the hands? I mean, it would kind of, it would have to be the telly. I, I'm playing the telly on uh, the solo band shows. Um, okay. So I, I've gone back to the telly. Um, I don't regret playing a Les Paul. I started Les Paul Day for Night on. And um, that was a black one, um, Black Beauty. And uh, But then I switched to a Sunburst, which I love that guitar. That's my yeah, oh god, that is such a beautiful freaking guitar. guitar, man. That's my second favorite. But the telly for sure. That was the first electric I bought. Uh like for officially bought for to play in the band. And um 
and I'm using it now. And yeah, it would be the telly for sure. I, you know, I never played a telly ever until about six months ago when I visited my family in California. I walked into a guitar center and I went into the the, the expensive room, you know, yeah, that you're not supposed to go in. <laughs> and I sat and there was nobody there. It was just a ghost town. And I sat with a telly for like an hour and I was like, geez, man. Now, I mean, I got it. Cause I always played a strat. I got a jazz master and an SG, but I never, and I've never played. I mean, I played a Les Paul once or twice, but I never owned a Les Paul. That's the next on the list. But a telly was, I liked it. Yeah. Well, felt, felt see, nice. it's funny. Cause I find a strat the most different guitar. And because Robbie played it already and he was like, <laughs> he had 15 years of experience on me. Um, because I didn't start playing until I was 19, and he started you when didn't? he was small. What? He, he was playing a, a, a Strat, and so wow. I was like, I mean, I started out playing acoustic, and after a while, I was like, fuck this, I can't fucking hear. <laughs> um, and I had a big train ramp, and it was just like, <laughs> it was impossible. to. I, I'd turn it up to, and I, I got electrocuted all the time, because it, it was an old shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, <laughs> I finally said, you know what? I'm playing uh, electric. That's the worst. A telly. And because I figured a telly is kind of the opposite of a Strat almost. And um, Yeah, totally. I've never really ever tried to play a Strat. Like, I, I really honestly never have. And Les Pauls and tellies, I find, are way more similar. The Strat, to me, is a different one. It's super cool, but it's just, it's just not my thing. I just like the pickups, man. Like that Steve Miller tone, that Buddy Holly, that those fifty sevens and those fifty nines. Those pickups are just so tinny and yeah. You no, know. it's amazing. I don't know. I like that. Yeah, I like no, that. it's amazing. Um, Say so when we we were just getting into Saskadelphia, right? And uh, and I'm listening to Crack My Spine the other day with my headphones on, you know, because I want to hear everything. And your guitar on that was just like, it, it kind of just sounded like, it reminded me of the Ramones. Like you were just kind of playing some power chords through there. It just reminded me of like 80s kind of punk rock, you know? And I just I just loved that about it. And it's it's been such an interesting thing hearing you guys playing guitar. Because, you know, most bands, you got bass and drums kind of linked up as the backbone. And you might have a lead guitarist, but you might not. Or a rhythm guitarist. But you guys were just, like, playing guitar doing your thing. And, and it works. And I think that's just such a cool, rare thing about a band that you guys pulled off. And then it's been so fun to then go on and listen to your solo stuff and hear your evolution too because you know we don't we don't get this opportunity with bands very often in general like how many bands are still around or guys still around like doing well, that's cool so stuff cool like a lot of people just kind of disappear you know what i would you know, credit so. the most or who i whom i would credit is don smith who did uh produced up to here in road apples because he mm. had us he hard panned us Okay. Left and right, Robbie and I. So listen, I listen to ACDC, and sorry, but Malcolm Young isn't loud enough. Like it's it's like the guitar. that the guitars are like this. It's and true. Yep. So Don panned us. Yeah. And so then every producer after that 
And our guy, Mark Brecken, who actually helped us produce our only record we did uh, without a producer, was Trouble at the Hen House. And Mark Brecken still mixes, you know, he mixed Saskatoon. Right. He's been our sound man and our live sound man <clears throat> for the whole time, although he did leave to bigger and better things for a good chunk of 15 years or so. But he's back with us, and he pans him sure. too. So he, oh, wow. he, so you can hear one in one ear, one in the nice. other. I'm deaf in my right ear, so I have to listen to it twice just to, you know, hear hear what Robbie's doing. The odd time I'm interested, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I credit Don because Don did that, and and he was super cool, and we were so he was unbelievable, and it yeah we couldn't believe we were working with. It. He'd done traveling Wilburys, and he'd worked he with like everybody, right? He did everything, and he was Mister Cool, and he was just like you guys, just do your thing. And this is when we were young, impressionable. You know, we wanted to do our thing, but we figured, you know, people are going to tell us, you know, well, you should be a bit more country, and people did, you know, be a bit more country maybe or something. And Don was just like, just do your thing. And he panned the guitars. So basically, he he, I credit him with my job because people can hear me if they want. You know, if they're taking a closer listen like totally. you guys do, um, it's kind of like all my parts are just naked yeah. on one side. At one point, though, I made a list, and I, it's an ongoing list, of songs where I'm um, in the right speaker, if you're looking at it. <laughs> I'm always on the left. And Robbie's always on the right, except more and more. I'll check it. And I have like a list of about 12 songs where I'm on the right and Robbie's on the left. Like the producer decided to switch it. Oh, uh, funny. Funny. Which is uh, curious to me because when I put on headphones, so I can only hear out of this ear, 100% deaf in this one. Wow. I I always put the left here because that's me. (laughs) <laughs> on the left. Oh shit! And then, you go, <laughs> oh, and then yeah, the odd yeah. song I'll run into, and it's kind of like, <laughs> like, that's not me, that's Robbie. Who's this? Who's this shitty guitar player? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't listen to each other at all, by the way. Not at all. That's funny, dude. <laughs> when you, when you, Paul, when you guys did Trouble, man, and that was a record. I think Tim, Tim, and I. I don't know. I'm speaking for Tim here. But for me, that was the record where I was like, the the the, it finally opened for me, and I got everything prior to that too. But like that record was like, okay, this band doesn't give a shit about what anybody thinks, man. They're that. just gonna do their own thing, and that's where I was like, you guys grew into this just animal that nobody knew existed. I don't know, man. That was a that was a break. That was the record that JD when JD flew to Malaga for Primavera Sound last year. He brought a vinyl, and this is me still not knowing anything about you guys. And he brought me Trouble at the Hen House, and I was like, "Yeah, huh, this is I, interesting." Do you remember? Do you remember? I mailed you Trouble at the Hen House on CD. And I was like, I don't have a CD on CD, player. and you're like, I don't have a CD player. <laughs> oh, that's. And I was like, who doesn't have a, a CD player? Because we just moved. We moved here, and I and then. Yeah, we didn't have anything because we moved from the state. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's funny um, just to add something because uh, I thought of it earlier, very early on this um, chat. Um, 
you were saying something, Pete, that I thought of, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I thought of something good to say, and I forgot, but now I remember. So there was this band, there's this, I don't, I don't know that they're a band anymore, but they're from Philly, and they're called Marah, M-A-R-A-H. And there are a couple of brothers. And anyway, out of the blue, the day after our last show, the singer writes Robbie a letter. And he's like, and he describes, the letter makes me cry. Like it, it, it he describes his life and, you know, they got signed to, um, maybe Steve Earl had a, a label, someone like that. Oh, nice. Nashville person. So they, they had some success, but they just ruined everything all the time. That, that was just their nature. You have brothers and, um, any time things started to go well, they would kind of blow it up and. And then he describes, he goes on to describe, he was out in the country on a TV, at, you know, a cabin he doesn't use, but, you know, he, he happened to throw on the TV and the, the CBC covered that show live, you know, so it was, it was live on the air. And he describes, um, you know, watching um, the show and what's about to happen. And, um, you know, what was my point? Well, he he does. There's this thing in the doc that Robbie quotes him like, "I, what's going to happen here? You know, are they going to all bands either explode on the way up or on the way down? Everything burn out. Yeah, like nothing works out. And what are you telling me? These guys are going to pull the. He compared it to a, uh, you know, an air balloon, whatever they're called. Parachute. Uh, no, like a balloon. You know, the balloon. Oh yeah, well, hot air balloon. Hot air balloon. What? They're all going to pull it down and land safely, like win rock and roll or something. <laughs> it's just kind of like. Uh, anyway, it was a, just an amazing letter <laughs> years ago, and I've always had the intention to kind of reach out to him and say, "Fuck your letter, man," because he it's way more than that. Another thing he said is he would try because this is quite like this podcast that you're doing, JD. He would he learned not to play the hip to people, to his friends, to anyone, his girl, various girlfriends. He was like, I never do. Huh. If he found a real hip fan, he said, um, like it, because they're touring right in New York or London or wherever. As soon as he realized it's a real hip fan, they'd be at the back of the bar. He'd take them to the back of the bar and they'd have, pints and they talk about all things hip <laughs> and anyway so he said uh if someone came over to my house and i trusted them enough to play the hip and they started talking over the music that's it christmas lights off everyone's going home <laughs> <laughs> he's an amazing writer like it's amazing <laughs> Anyway. It's so true. I, I said that to JD a couple weeks ago when I was I, in California yeah. this last time in May. We were driving to Joshua Tree, and I fucking hate when people put on music and they're like, listen to this band. You're going to love this band. And it's like, you build it up, right? I didn't do that. I grabbed my buddy's phone. We're driving down, I don't know, 64 or whatever it is down in Joshua Tree, 29 Palms. And I just grabbed his phone and I put on Trouble at the End House. Yeah. And he's like, who the fuck is this? That's how to do it. That's to- all I did. I, I played a couple tunes and he's like, who the, who's this band? I was like, oh, it's 
And then, you know, because you don't set the expectations. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. That's how to do it. That, that's the downy way, actually. Gordon, all his brothers. Uh, you, 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 you surprise somebody. If you give people warning, it's not the same, you know. Yeah. It's just like, no, no. Expectations. No. Yeah. And when Gordon was sick, it's true. It's Pat, true. his brother was looking after him mainly, and I was mainly there to help Pat. And someone would be... Uh, I want to come over and see Gord, you know, because there was no tour in the future. Like it was, we all just thought this is it. And, and uh, I was like, Oh, this guy wants to come by. And Pat's like, well, just don't tell Gord about it and tell him to come, but we won't tell him about it. And he'll just get surprised. <laughs> you know, that's, the, that's how the Downies do it. It's like, Oh, we're here. <laughs> that's well, Paul, cool. Paul, I know we said, uh, 45 minutes and we're over so i'm sorry for taking more of your time than we should have but uh no problem i still got seven minutes before the next one oh wow you're (laughs) oh you're on you're on junket mode eh yeah (laughs) Uh, just just uh, three today oh wow well any 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 (laughs) any chance we'll see you on the on the road in the fall or is it just take it as it comes or Take it as it comes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sort of trying to stick to festivals, but obviously they start disappearing when the right. fall comes. So um, unknown. So right. I've got two more gigs in August and um, like one in Windsor-ish, Kingsville, and one in Bath, uh, where our studio is. And uh, those are both in August. It's been great talking to you. So yeah, great. great talking to you guys. It's nice to meet you too as well. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Paul. Thanks for your fun. time, man. Hey, we'll talk again. Right. Yeah. Good luck with everything. For sure. Take care. Thank Thanks. You. Okay. See you guys. All right. Cheers. If you can't be used, if we don't know already, there's an easy way. We ain't gonna take it, cause we're steady. Steady here, steady there, anywhere. You and me, yeah. We're always the same way And we see things together Every time Anytime Everywhere We see things together
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 